Hello and welcome to Mortgage Insider from Barclays, the podcast series for mortgage brokers. I'm Phil Spencer. You may know me from a certain TV property programme. What you might not know is that I trained as a surveyor and launched and ran one of the UK's first ever property search companies. In this series, I'll be using my experience to get to the heart of the biggest issues in mortgage broking. You'll hear from industry leaders, brokers, as well as Barclays' own in-house experts. We'll share insight and expertise to help you navigate the challenges, the changes and the opportunities that lie ahead for intermediaries in 2023. And in this episode, we'll be looking at some of those challenges and changes that brokers are facing. Many of them are, of course, intertwined. High inflation, higher interest rates, lower transaction volumes and lower house prices added into that. We've also got some inflation and the um, the cost of living to contend with. There's also the end of help to buy. We've got a more complicated buy-to-let market and the introduction of consumer duty. So there's a lot of variables. There's a lot going on. How does it all impact mortgage intermediaries and how they, and indeed you, are doing business in 2023? To find out, really grateful to be joined today by two brokers, Helen Pearson, a director at Mortgage Advice Bureau New Homes, and by Neil Reiner, director of Reiner and Partners. Thank you both very much indeed for coming on the pod today. Goodness me, there really is a, a lot of moving parts, isn't there? How, how are you coping out there in, in the big bad world of, of brokering? It's, it's got to be tough. Are you doing okay? You're bearing up, Neil? Uh, just about, I think. It's been, a good, it's been a good start to the year for me. A few challenges definitely along the way, but it, yeah, it's been a good start to the year. Definitely plenty of um, clients around. It's definitely a, an intermediary yeah. market. And, and Helen, how's your start been? I think we're more than coping. I think when you get a market which is challenging, the actual value of a broker comes really into its own. Schemes are more complicated. Interest rates and criteria are changing daily. Yes. And that's when I think looking on consumer websites is a great starting point for most people to get some sort of idea of what's happening in the market. But actually, mm. nothing I don't think can deliver the robust advice that a professional in the market can do. So we've had a great start to the year, yeah. Mm. I, I completely agree. The, the advice is more required than ever, and simply because there are so many moving parts. But it's tough for you out there as brokers to actually get to grips with all that's going on all the time. I mean, I suppose there's always a lot going on, isn't there? And you work in a world that changes, but there's a lot of variables and they all seem to be moving at the moment. Is that fair? There is a lot going on, but then again, there has been a lot going on for the past mm. few years. Yes. I, I don't think the broker market really stopped within lockdown. And, you know, you hear all these people being furloughed for months. But, you know, we are used to working in a very fast paced environment. And um, yeah. there's certainly times when I think interest products would change. I think the, the highest one was something like 4,000 changes in a week. Or was that a day? Sometimes it felt like a day. Really? Um, it felt so like a day, definitely, hasn't <laughs> Neil, what's been the hardest thing for you about brokering during these last couple of years? 
I think Helen touched on some of it just a second ago, but the pace of changes mm. has been astronomical. And I think it's been ever-changing, mm. probably since the banking crisis, you know, even go back as far as that. It's been constant barrage of challenges. But the, the last six months have been particularly brutal, I think. You know, mm. the mini-budget, the effects, and the ripple effects uh, are still being felt now as mm. lenders are only just sort of finding their feet in a very general sense. And they had to sort of take measures at the time and that's only just started to settle out so that's been about six months yeah it's affected rates it's affected criteria and that obviously changed outcomes for clients too Completely. so it's been really really hard to keep her on mm. top of them because of the pace it's been so quick it's been uh, unprecedented how were your conversations with clients during that period of great uncertainty and I was kind of slightly feeling for the banks myself because they were uncertain nobody knew what was going on did clients appreciate that I mean if they were caught in the sort of eye of the storm trying to make decisions because they were in the middle of buying a house that must have been deeply unpleasant I think it was very difficult for people they wanted someone to talk to and this is where sort of technology and people really merge when people really had their backs against the wall and they were worried, they wanted to speak to a real person. Yeah. And we probably didn't know much more about what was going on than anybody else. But it was really important that we had that dialogue, that we were able to say to people that we're here for you, we'll support you. Let's just go through all those things that are changing. I guess we should start with interest rates. What's your take on, on rates? Have they settled? Yes, I think in a general sense they have settled and it appears that if we're not at the absolute peak of the interest rate rises, mm. we're almost there. Okay. And it's difficult to see that the market could take much more in terms mm. of rate rises. So the general consensus, I think that's the one statement mm. that does sort of unify most people. And a lot of people who have been around a lot longer are more accepting that maybe a higher interest rate situation is going to be here to stay. We know we're not going to be mm. falling to a particularly low one or historically low that we've yeah. seen over the last decade. So there's a bit of um, realignment, I think, with people's yeah. mindsets. There's lots of information that mm -hmm. is out there. And the information doesn't always transpire to be advice. And that's always the difficulty of people using information and then actually seeking advice on that. Certainly predictions on interest rates are, are very, very hard to make. But I think in a general sense, the view is they have settled down and we can see that now in rates. It's not all doom and gloom like some of the press would, would have us believe. You made a really interesting point there, Neil. And, and that's something, Helen, you... You alluded to as well. What did you say? The difference between information and advice. Yeah. So key, so key. And and Helen was talking earlier about, yeah, actually in these times, that's when people really do need advice. I think we've also got to remember that this is normal, that the average base rate has been between 5 and 6% since records began. So we've got to remember we've got a generation of borrowers who haven't experienced interest rate rises before. I heard a really quite um, a frightening statistic uh, a couple of weeks ago that 70% of mortgage brokers haven't experienced interest rate rises. So it's really important that as an industry we are educating and training and bringing through the advisors of the future using the knowledge that we've got within our teams at the moment so that we can have proper conversations with people about not bigger, better, sooner properties as a result of having help to buy available 
and also mm-hmm. artificially low interest rates. But actually, what do you need? Do you need a four-bedroomed house as a starter home? I think we need to perhaps go back to basics a little bit more and within yeah. that, look at the housing stock and what is being built and whether that yes. accommodates needs of yeah. first-time buyers and affordable housing where you know, you've got people who don't have the advantage of perhaps having deposits available from Bank of Mum and Dad. I think they're helping three out of five new first-time buyers at the moment, um, probably mm. as big as the Skipton in terms of lending terms. Yep. But what about all those first-steppers who haven't got access to that support to get onto the housing ladder? And what do you see for the year ahead, Helen? How do you see things panning out? I think because there is a lack of supply, I think there are certain areas that are going to be challenging for purchasers and particularly those with small deposit, first-time buyers, those that need affordable housing. We need to see more support for the new schemes that are coming through, more support from lenders in terms of things like deposit unlock, own new. Those are schemes for new build properties whereby lenders can have the safety of insurance support and offer higher loan to values but that Mm -hmm. doesn't cover the problem with affordability and I think the low interest rates that we've seen over the last decade have perhaps masked the house price increases because people have still been able to afford them and also things such as overseas investors we haven't really got a good raft of products for people who are foreign nationals but Mm -hmm. want to buy with a low deposit Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not really encouraging support from overseas. Landlords, as you mentioned in your introduction, they're having to look to buy cash in more and more circumstances because they need something like an 8% yield yeah. to fit with mortgage lenders. So there are lots of challenges within the market, but there are also new schemes coming through. You've got first homes, which is a discounted market sales scheme. You've also got the government's 95% indemnity scheme, which has been extended for another year. So there's mm-hmm. lots out there. There's lots to be really positive about. Is there anything coming down the track? Neil, have you heard anything coming down the track that's likely to benefit people wanting to buy secondhand or older properties? No, there aren't. And I think the key problem is is the affordability. And that's why a lot of these schemes, they're, they're all really good in principle, or some of them are really good in principle, But the affordability issue is not going to change for people. The supply and demand is not going to change. There's not going to be a fundamental change in prices because of some of the reasons that Helen has mentioned. And and the lenders still have to lend within the constraints, especially on a regulated product, buying your home, on affordability. They have to prove affordability at the time that they give the mortgage. And there isn't going to be a fundamental shift in house Mm. prices. And in fact, some of the estate or, or in people's ability to save for the deposit because or the ability to save. That's right. And yeah. if you're renting with really yes. high rents, rents are actually increasing. Yeah. Da, da, da. So it, yeah. it isn't going to be a fundamental change. We need a really a bit of a period of stability in house prices, wages to catch up a little bit. Yes, and good that, point. I think that's going to be the biggest advantage that could happen over the next few years. Yes, there's probably going to be an average of a fall, but it sounds to be around ten percent on prices. But actually, if wages can go up a little bit above normal, what would be called. Mm regarded as normal inflation and over three years we see a a 10% rise in in wages maybe three three and a half percent a year 
for the next three years, that would also close the gap yeah. on affordability. And I think that is something. And we've got that cost really, of living. We've got to heat our homes and drive our cars, and, yeah. and we're not going to. And you know, speaking to some friends who are in the estate agency side, they're still saying. And I remember I'm based in uh, South Hearts, and they're still saying in the right areas, in the right roads. You know, if it's near a school, near a station, all the kind of things that people say are really important when you're buying a family home, they still mm. have three or four buyers for those particular homes. Yeah. So there's lots of microclimates going on out there you know there does need to be more work whether more government interference is a wise thing i'm not sure we've had plenty of that in the past yeah, but we, we definitely some some stability yeah. i think would be good not big rises in the market would definitely be good yeah and a chance for wages to naturally catch up and yeah. close the gap oh that's probably one of the best things that could happen unfortunately as brokers there's not much you can do to help either of those issues but they are fair and valid can we talk a little bit, and I don't need to go into too much detail because I have covered it in a previous episode, but I wanted to get your thoughts on consumer duty. That's coming in in July, isn't it? Is it having a big impact on how you're doing business or will it? In terms of consumer duty, we've always had the customers at the heart of what we do. And I think if you speak to most brokers, they're probably going to echo the same we try and embed it into our culture. We try and award and reward people linked to customer outcomes and customer feedback. I think probably the biggest change for us as a company, I don't see our advice process changing to any great degree, except perhaps for customers who are more vulnerable to make sure that we understand the behaviours that they exhibit and so that we can be more sure that we're providing information to them in the right way. That must be really difficult. And, and Neil and I chatted a little bit just before we started recording about the intricacies of, or the delicacies of trying to identify if somebody is vulnerable. Yeah, it's very difficult. It's really difficult. Look, you know, one in four people will suffer from depression at some point in their life. And it could be a life event, a death as an advisor, any kind of advisor or anybody dealing with someone like that. You've got no idea. I think that's the most difficult and tricky area of consumer duty that's coming in and I'm completely the same as Helen I think you would hope that most intermediaries have the client at the heart of what they do yes they might need to beef up certain documents Mm -hmm. and things but you would hope the process is pretty much there for most firms but there are one or two and that was the one thing that I picked up on in in my reading and some Mm -hmm. of the seminars that I've attended Vulnerable clients, there's a a very clear different definition for the FCA and the regulatory than there is for ordinary people and maybe even for medical people. What's officially classed as a medical term as a vulnerable person is actually maybe quite different within a regulatory framework. And they Mm. appear to have a much higher bar than other areas of society for advisors to accommodate that and to ensure that they've potentially even addressed it in the process. And it is really tricky in identifying someone that might Mm. be vulnerable under the FCA's definition. They may not even appreciate being defined as vulnerable. So, you know, it it is... recognise it. Yeah, absolutely, Phil, absolutely. Helen, I know at the Mortgage Advice Bureau New Homes, you've got about 30 advisors, haven't you? So how on earth do you keep them all up to speed with compliance and consumer duty and identifying who is vulnerable and who isn't? It's a difficult one. It's a work in progress because our advisors range in age and experience. And I think this is where what we do try and do is to match an advisor with a client on day one. 
and mm-hmm. they take that client right the way through that customer journey. So they build up the trust, the rapport, the knowledge. Some things are very easy to identify. If someone has got hearing difficulties, sight, yeah. sight difficulties, it's something that you can deal with. But as Neil said, not everybody is going to want to tell you if they feel that they are vulnerable for fear that that might actually affect their ability to get a mortgage. But the other thing to mention is that People may not be vulnerable at the beginning of the process, but further down the line, they may become vulnerable through a life event or something like that. So you could start off with someone who is very financially astute, but for whatever reason, a death in the family or or something mm. else, an accident could actually change that. Okay. Let's think about opportunities for a moment and whether this year perhaps actually offers opportunities for brokers to make some changes into how they're doing business and with consumer duty coming down the track actually putting some really good new processes in place and perhaps reassessing marketing efforts i mean if there are lower transaction volumes just at the moment is this a good time to think about how you're doing businesses processes marketing efforts, realigning things. Any thoughts from either of you there, Neil? I think certainly in a general sense, the CPD that we're expected to do has never been more vital because to deliver on consumer duty or positive outcomes for clients or however it wants to be termed, you need to keep your knowledge really completely up to date. And, you know, the interactions that we have with lenders now have never been as important, I think, as they have because the amount of changes that are constantly coming through. And certainly, I've already had a couple of lenders that have come in, and one of the key things that they've noticed already, there's definitely a lot more people attempting to apply that have got missed payments on short-term credit. That's already definitely seen an uprise. Mm -hmm. So again, the knowledge that definitely brokers are going to need a much better understanding of maybe lenders that they haven't traditionally used a lot, because some of these minor hiccups are going to be a lot more common over the next 12, 24 months as people... Or some families would have made choices as to, well, what they paid and what they didn't maybe one month. Yeah. Whether Mr. Visa yeah. got paid every month and, and the gas and electricity did. I think that's going to be a much more common. So I think mm-hmm. the knowledge is definitely going to be key. It's definitely, I would say, in my own business helped me over the last sort of three months. It's definitely been changing. A lot more inquiries have coming from buy to lets as a landlords and developers are trying to find solutions to potential problems the slower sales and the rental stress tests being much much tougher on them so yeah there's definitely opportunity out there it sounds like you're having to work harder neil i definitely have to work harder that's definitely definitely (laughs) a a cause and effect situation yes Uh, helen are you needing to resubmit mortgage applications more frequently than before would you say Yes, yeah, I would say there is an increase in that. Yeah, Lenders are want, wanting a lot more detail. And, um, you know, sometimes what is initially presented to you doesn't actually fit with the lender. But, but then lenders are in business to lend money. That's what they want to do. So are they, can you pick up the phone and will they be flexible? Can you have that conversation? I think there is an element of flexibility if there are reasonable explanations for things. But um, generally speaking, credit risk is an area that sits outside of the underwriting area. So that's the area that sets the criteria for lenders. Let's just talk about the rest of 2023 in more general terms. Have you got other plans for the businesses? What are you up to? Are there new processes coming down or perhaps you're looking at marketing somewhere differently? Not asking you to give away business (laughs) secrets here, but but generally. 
Ellie, you should mention that, Phil, because as part of the Mortgage Advice Bureau network, we're all developing a digital nurture journey for customers. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be aware of the fact that the younger generations tend to explore and gain information in different ways. So we're looking to capture those would-be purchasers really early on in the process to help guide them along what makes mortgage fit. Sorry, what did you call it? Nurture? Nurture journey. Nurture nurture journey, journey. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Neil, how about you? Any marketing plans, changes in place? Yeah, I've already beefed them up. And I think to home in on some of the things that we spoke about at the beginning, the people need the advice because this is probably one of the most tricky markets that we've been in. And you'll generally find yeah. if you make yourself available, if yeah. you go back through your contacts, maybe you've neglected them over the last few years or so, yeah. but you know, the majority of people out there will need some help or guidance. Yeah. I would definitely encourage people to, if they haven't got a marketing plan, to get one in place because yeah. it will probably hold them in very, very good stead for 2023 because I definitely think it's a year for the intermediary. The year of the intermediary. (laughs) Let's leave it on that note. Listen, thank you both very, very much. Greatly appreciated your time. I know you've got lots going on, so um, I'm I'm really, really grateful. That was Helen Pearson of the Mortgage Advice Bureau New Homes and Neil Reiner of Reiner & Partners. Thank you very much for listening. The views expressed by external guests in this podcast are their opinions only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Barclays. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Insider. I'm Phil Spencer, and this has been a Fresh Air production for Barclays. Please rate, review, and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.